0: We backed up a little bit for a little while when we did some of the stories about some of the parables of Jesus and some of the stories from Luke's Gospel. But before that, we had had the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And I talked about how that was a catalyst, that it made uh, the people who hated him say, we gotta do something about this Jesus. We need to kill Lazarus, because Jesus raised him from the dead, and that's proof to people that Jesus is the Messiah, and we gotta kill Jesus too. So sometime soon after that, it was almost to Holy Week. It was six days before the Passover. And Jesus knew that his time, his time to suffer and die and rise was almost here. And he came near to Jerusalem again. And he went to Bethany, where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived. Lazarus, of course, whom he had raised from the dead. And they threw a dinner for him, a party for him. And Martha served at the table, bringing the food out. And Lazarus was there, sitting next to Jesus. And during the dinner, Mary came in. So that, those are the three siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And she brought with her some perfume, some very expensive perfume. And she bent down at Jesus' feet and anointed his feet with the perfume and wiped them with her hair to show her love and her trust in Jesus and the house was filled with that with that sweet smelling aroma of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus' disciples, the one who was about to betray Jesus, said, why didn't this ointment get sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He was pretending like he was all like righteous and pious and like he cared about the poor and like it was a waste for her to pour that perfume on Jesus' feet, but he didn't really. The reason he said this, the reason he wanted the perfume to be sold was because he was hoping that it would go into the money bag after they sold it where he could steal it because Judas was a thief and he used to steal from the money that people gave to Jesus and his disciples. He would take it for himself out of the money bag. And this is something the other gospel writers don't tell us, but it gives us an insight perhaps into what is a part of what leads Judas to betray Jesus, Because Judas will decide to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. It's his greed. It's his love for money, of wanting to get more. And the the devil loves to work like that. He shows us something that we want. And he uses it to get us to do something we know is wrong. Like when there are times where you're not supposed to be watching But then you do anyway, and you try to hide it or cover it up. Or like the time when Anastasia was like one or two, and I came back in the room after I had been in the other room. It was around Easter. And I came back in the room, and she had this guilty look on her face. And there had been Cadbury eggs, those chocolate eggs. And she had a whole bunch of them in her hands. But she knew she wasn't supposed to have them. So when I came back in the room, she tried to hide them by stuffing them in her diaper. <laughs> she stuffed a bunch of chocolate eggs in her diaper. And it was a wet diaper. It was disgusting. Did your mom actually clean it up? Well, they didn't get all melted. Like, you just did it. So I just took the diaper off with the chocolate and threw it all away, but... Anyway, the devil comes along and he says, well, you want this thing, so you should take it. And then we try to cover it up. And then one thing leads to another. Now Judas is not only, look, look how he's covering it up. He's covering it up by trying to pretend that he's really so righteous and holy. And that's what the devil loves to do, to get us to pretend that we're innocent, that we're good. And so when we notice that happening, when we realize that we're lying about something in order to cover up what we're doing, we should realize that we're in great spiritual danger. That kind of temptation led Judas to lose his faith and ultimately to reject Jesus and go to hell. That's what the devil wants to do to all of us. He wants to use one thing or another to lead us to do something sinful, but not just that, but then to convince us that we have to lie about it and pretend and make excuses instead of confessing the truth. Confessing is always much better because... The Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. All right, so the Jewish leaders are plotting to kill Lazarus. Oh, one other thing about the perfume. That perfume, the sweet-smelling aroma, it's meant to remind us, I think, of Jesus. Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is like a sweet-smelling aroma that covers over the stench of our sin and makes us pleasing and acceptable to God by his death on the cross and his resurrection to forgive us for our sins. So that's what can cover all of us for all of our sins. That's why we don't need to keep him a secret. It'd be kind of like... Um, Jesus used this illust- an illustration similar to this once, but let's just pretend... Let's pretend that uh, you killed an animal and then, in order to cover it up, you hid it under your bed. What would happen? It would decay and stink. Yeah, and you wouldn't be able to cover it up. It would stink horribly and we would realize, right? But if you said, Oh, I killed this animal, we could come and clean it up and remove the stench. It would be gone, right? When we try to cover up our sins with our own false righteousness or things that we think are good or our excuses, it just smells bad. And God knows. And instead, Jesus' forgiveness cleanses us from our sins. All right, so they're plotting to kill Lazarus, and they're plotting to kill Jesus, but they're not sure when to do it. Because part of their problem is that so many people... Are believing in Jesus that's why they want to get rid of him in Lazarus but it also means that they're afraid they're afraid that uh, the people will turn against them and and they'll get like killed by the mob or something or they'll get thrown out of their position so while all this is happening on the next day after that party there's this large crowd that had come to the feast. They'd come to Jerusalem for the Passover. So there's a lot of people in Jerusalem for the Passover. And they hear that Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. So they take branches from palm trees and they go out to meet him crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. So those are words from the Old Testament. They confess those words because they knew and believed that Jesus was the promised Messiah who had come to save them. Hosanna means save us, we pray. That's what they were asking Jesus to do. And Jesus had come to Jerusalem to do exactly that. It's just that they didn't really understand how. So Jesus rode on a donkey. And, and he, tells us, he tells us how he got that donkey. He told the disciples, go into this village and you'll find a donkey there tied up. And it's, it's colt next to it. And I want you to untie them and bring them to me. And if the owner says, what are you doing? Just say, it's master needs it. And they'll let you take it. And that's exactly what happened, which is kind of crazy. Because like, imagine somebody came up to our house and they took your bike and they started riding it away. And then you said, hey, what are you doing with my bike? And then they said, oh, it's okay. It's owner needs it. You'd be like, I'm the owner. I need it. What are you talking about? But Jesus' word proved true because Jesus' word is powerful. So he rode on that donkey and that was to fulfill what the prophet said. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Humble and having salvation is he. So you see the donkey proclaims. What kind of king he has come to be. He's riding on it to show that he's a king coming to his city to save. But it's a donkey, not some kind of like war horse or noble beast. And that is meant to show his humility. That he's come to save by his humility. His disciples didn't understand these things then, but later they did understand and remembered that he was fulfilling what the prophet had said. All right, so... Then there was a crowd that had come up from Jerusalem to meet him. And there was also a crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead. And they were going around telling everybody in town, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And so it was making the crowd go crazy. And everybody wanted to come and see him because he had done this sign. And the Pharisees were getting mad and they were getting despondent. They said, ah... The whole world has gone after him. And not only that, there were children in the streets of Jerusalem who were singing his praises. And the Pharisees said to Jesus, you better make all these people stop praising you. And Jesus said, if these did not sing, even the very stones would cry out. Because this had been foretold. Nothing could stop what was happening, Jesus was saying. So he rode on his donkey, he came to the temple, and he looked around at the temple, and he left. And he was doing all of this to show what kind of king he had come to be, to show that he had come to Jerusalem to die for our sins. But you know, a lot of people have noticed how strange it is that when he rode in Jerusalem on Sunday, all these crowds of people shouted and sang his praises. But only five days later, the city will be filled with a crowd of people calling for him to be crucified and killed because he didn't. Come to do what they thought he should do because he came instead to save by his cross and by his resurrection. And so in our lives we should remember that Jesus isn't the kind of king that we think he should be. He's the humble and gracious king. He's the king we need him to be. He's the king who saves and who's coming again. He came to Jerusalem riding on a donkey but he's gonna come again at the end of all things riding on the clouds of heaven in power and great glory.